Good morning and welcome to chapel, the first chapel of May term. We're gonna start with an opening song, so if you'd please turn with me to m number eight in your blue hymnal of worship book, number eight, Brethren, We Have Met to Worship. And if you are able, please stand. I echo Jay's welcome to chapel this morning. It does feel a little bit different. We're like 20 minutes early, but we're gonna get out 20 minutes early too. I invite you to pray with me as we recognize God's presence with us in this space. Not only in this space, but in all places at all times. I am utilizing and adapting some of the words from the Iona community that come to us from a We Worship book. And I invite you to respond with the words, for these things we thank you. Together, for these things we thank you. And we let us pray. Generous God, you gave us our voices, no two the same, no finer instruments with which to give you thanks and praise. For these things we thank you. You gave us words and music, peculiar gifts with which to wound or wonder, 
bless or bore, inspire or disable. For these things, we thank you. And in this community, you have gathered us in your community of common folk, of tired folk, of joyful ones and complainers, prophets and puzzled people. You have made a place for us. For these things, we thank you. So let what we say and do here, what we ponder and decide here, be real for us and honest to you, and prepare us for the life in the world in which you are also thanked and praised. Amen. This morning, you have three of your peers who happen to be seniors at the end of this journey of college who are going to share about their uh, journey of faith in relation to their college years. As they were preparing, I asked them to think back and to give me their first impressions of Goshen College way back four years ago, or maybe even before. Jessie Camacho, who will be speaking first, said her first impression of Goshen College was that GC was a very friendly and welcoming environment. Kelly Fry, who will be the second speaker, said, well, I didn't think I'd choose to go to Goshen College back when I was a senior in high school, and this I am quoting. My impression was that I wouldn't fit into the culture of the people who I thought GC students were, which was plain, simple, hippie, hairy women, etc. <laughs> I also thought Goshen was too close to home. But after visiting, for some reason, it just felt right, and I ended up here. And our third speaker is Nate Yerig. Nate, who commented that he was happy to be coming to a Mennonite institution and found his time in his Bible and religion classes to be refreshing in, um, in what they were communicating, and it was a good opportunity to be engaged there. We're going to sing a song before each of these um, peers come up to speak. So, Jay, if you would lead us in the song before Jesse. If you'd please turn with me now to your green Sing the Journey books to number 13. One, three, my soul is filled with joy. We'll sing verses one, two, and five. One, two, and five.
Good morning. I guess I don't really need to say my name. Um, and uh, excuse me, I do have a cold, so my voice might be a little funny this morning. I want to share with you all a, a bit of my history um, and my faith journey throughout these four years here at GC. I can say that I'm not at all the person I once was four or five years ago, but I'm sure that's probably true for all of us. I grew up an atheist, believe it or not. Um, for a period of my, my life, I was Gothic. I dressed in all black, my necklaces were chains, and I just didn't care about anything. My mother was a single mom uh, due to domestic abuse by my father, which started when I was about a year old. Um, my sister and I had no support system, unfortunately, um, because my mom mostly worked to provide for us a home and necessities. We loved each other as a family of three, but we didn't openly share our burdens or pain with each other. Openness about our pain just wasn't an option. Looking back, I see that I put my trust in a lot of people who hurt, betrayed, and rejected me, leading me to choose not to let anyone or any God anywhere near close to my heart. I won't go very in-depth about my past, but I will say I've come a long way, and you can ask me anytime, I'm okay with sharing. Having experienced poverty, homelessness, and physical and emotional abuse. Because of my experiences, I saw God as cruel and untrustworthy. As I matured in high school, I stopped pushing religion away. I became more open to learning about God and Christianity in general. During my senior year of high school, I noticed I sensed a growing curiosity inside of me to know more. I felt a longing in my heart to know if God was really there and to know if God really loves me for me. I was invited to a weekly Bible study at a local church uh, where I learned more and my, where my longing for truth steadily increased. I came to Christ within my first few days here, actually, as a freshman at GC, which is really cool and exciting. Um, I have to say that trusting in God to care for my needs um, has been a theme in my life all four years here at GC. As a freshman, I worked 30 hours a week uh, to pay for my schooling and uh, with aims to enter the nursing program. Yes, the nursing program where we sleep little examine, analyze, study, and reflect a lot, and write seemingly endless care plans. Though I, I do promise there are really good things about the nursing program. <laughs> I found that each time that I feared failure or insufficient funds, God simply said to me, trust me, Jesse, trust me. What a challenge that was. <laughs> it was hard. For the second semester of that year, as I struggled to make it through, I was able to increase my loans and decrease my hours at work, which really helped me greatly. During my sophomore year, I accepted a job as a ministry leader on campus. I remember being in the interview with Bob and Tamara as they asked me to share strengths and weaknesses. When asked about my weaknesses, I remember sharing something like this. I said, well, um, I, I don't really know much about the Bible. And I, I felt very inadequate. Uh, I felt like a baby Christian, you know? But I could sense God urging me forward, you know? Um, urging me to trust. And then I got the job. 
That year, I grew so much in my skills of leadership and openness, and also in being able to share my wounds with others and find healing. And I can say that I'm still growing in each of these areas today. During the second half of sophomore year and my whole junior year, I became a part of an on-campus week weekly worship uh, service, which challenged my faith in numerous ways. I learned deep lessons about what it means to be united as a body of Christ, as Paul describes in the Bible when he wrote about the early church. Being a part of the body of Christ means earnestly loving, supporting, and encouraging other, each other as people and as ch children of God, and reconciling with each other when we experience tension. That year, junior year, was my toughest one here at GC. I worked. I was involved in ministry, I had weekly clinical and classes, those care plans. <laughs> um, my stepdad had a heart attack, my mom was hospitalized, and I failed a class. But you know, I learned that I had a choice in how to handle these hardships. I could either lose all hope, which I came pretty close to many times, or I could trust in God, the one who formed me in my mother's wounds, womb the one who loves each of us in such a deep way that we cannot fully comprehend it. As a senior, I can say that I have flourished so much as a leader, as a nurse, as a teacher, as a friend, throughout these years. And just three weeks prior to my graduation, on March 29th, I suddenly developed appendicitis. I had a CT scan, and I was told that I'd be taken into day surgery as soon as possible, um, as soon as the surgeon arrived that morning. I'm pretty sure my whole life flashed before my eyes in that moment. It was terrifying. <laughs> you should have seen me. I closed myself in the bathroom, and I thought, God, what are you doing? No, <laughs> graduation. <laughs> this can't possibly happen now, but somehow, because of God's love and grace, everything, everything has been taken care of. I can say that I've learned to rest peacefully in the truth that God really does have plans to prosper us and not to harm us, as is written in Jeremiah 29, 11. Each time that I feared and each time that I trusted, God didn't stray from these words. God kept this promise and took care of my every need. I've learned to face my fears and my wounds with God more and more throughout these four years and to seek healing, growth, truth, reconciliation, and true friendships. I can look back now and accept the hardships that I've faced, and I can see how God has used each and every single one of them as stepping stones of growth in my life. I'll conclude with this. I have been transformed by my faith and my relationship with God from a girl overwhelmed by her wounds to a woman who's becoming more and more solid in her identity in Christ, confident in God's truth, and whose goal is to show God's love and mercy to all. Thank you. You would now please take your blue hymnal, a worship book out again and turn to 145, number 145. There's a wideness in God's mercy. And please stand if you're able.
Now I feel like I should justify the quote I gave Gwen at the beginning about my first impressions of Goshen. Uh, maybe just with the, the fact that um, in my life, there have been so many little surprises all the time. I feel like my expectations going into something are always changed. And that's kind of what happened when I came to Goshen College. And also, yeah, I'll just say that. Um, this past summer, I participated in the ministry inquiry program that Goshen College offers. I spent my time working for Shalom Mennonite Church and First Mennonite Church, which are both in Indianapolis. And while my work at these churches does not fully reflect my whole faith journey over the last four years, I've chosen to talk just kind of about the contributions that, of that specific experience on my faith. Going into the summer, I had the purpose of sharpening up what I interpreted as God's purpose for my life. I had chosen, chosen nursing my first year of college and was confident that I could be used by God in that role. And as time went on, I became attracted to pastoral ministry. And I briefly considered skipping the rest of the BSN program and going to seminary, but I stopped myself and wound up in the ministry inquiry program, which allowed me to try pastoral ministry before committing to it which is a good idea. You should never just decide to do something without thinking about it first. And anyway, my experience with the ministry and program was really great. And um, I guess in faith and in life, um, especially when you get into Christianity, um, a lot of, like, you just have those big questions, you know? And I guess one of the big questions in faith that I've wrestled with or thought a lot about um, is the relationship of healing and ministry. Growing up, I listened to my grandpa tell of his experiences with the same kind of miraculous healings that we read about in the Gospels, like the lame being able to walk again, lepers being cleansed of their diseases. He did a lot of time in other countries and actually has stories like this. And upon conversations with other people, I quickly realized that not everyone really accepts these kinds of practices. And, um, and I too began to challenge that part um, of God that so closely relates to the profession that, um, that I've chosen. So early in my clinicals, I walked the halls and my mind was screaming with questions of like, well, if God can miraculously heal people, like why aren't we just being taught to pray for them and like we can go in their rooms and just say you're healed or whatever. Like that was a really big question for me. And, um, and so I struggled with that a lot and I had to just kind of decide to put it away for a little bit because otherwise I would just keep thinking and thinking and thinking about it. And I just decided to keep learning what I was learning and I trusted that someday I would have a better understanding of my big question and that God could still use me today even though I didn't understand the answer to that question. So anyway, I put that question away because <laughs> I couldn't think about it anymore. And um, in prepping for the ministry inquiry pro uh, yeah, program, Bob Yoder campus pastor encouraged me that, um, to ask that big question again. And when I met with the pastor at Shalom Mennonite Church, I talked to him about my interest in learning about healing and ministry. He found um, Christian healthcare workers for me to meet with um, of, of the churches. He found books for me to read. And then he also gave me the opportunity to talk with him about what I was learning. Um, one of the tasks I did as part of my internship was to visit with members of the congregation who were either sick or shut in. I'd go to their house and visit with them for about an hour um, and end the time with prayer. I learned that some people really like to be prayed for. 
Um, my prayers were really simple, but brought tears of joy, um, or tears of what I would call healing, especially to one lady that I prayed with. And um, it, was this, it, it was as if this simple act of love was like the perfect dose of the right kind of medicine at the right time in her life. And I began to understand a new part of what healing is for people. Um, Another experience I had was with a woman of the congregation who was diagnosed with stomach cancer. And I've shared this story before, um, even in chapel. So my apologies to those of you who've heard it before, but it's still a part of my journey, so I want to share it again. Um, During the 10 weeks I was um, there, she journeyed into death. I had met her, though, just prior to the major shift in her health, and she greeted me with a joy and energy that was profoundly peaceful. Um, Her name actually meant peace, which I thought was really cool. Um, She appreciated artfully designed worship plans and was delighted to hear that I would later choreograph a dance to use as a part of the morning worship service. And in the last week of her life on earth, the church scheduled church members to give round-the-clock care to her. And because of my interest and willingness, um, I was also put into the schedule and praise the Lord because I learned a lot a lot about healing and a lot about God's power in healing. Um, It was one of those times where I uh, just sort of let my spirit guide my actions because I didn't really know what I was getting into. Um, I thought of the comforts of a bed bath, and so I gave her a bed bath. Um, I couldn't think of words to say, so I just sat, things like that. Um, And I could tell that... She wasn't really talking in the end, so it's hard to, like, say what she was feeling, but you could just tell by the way that her body was held and the smile on her face that, um, that there was a peace and a healing about her body that, um, that was just brought by my presence being in the room, which I, I guess I still don't fully understand, but I guess that's part of God's healing and, um, and the power of God. And... She went through death as a healed individual. So I learned a lot of things from that experience, which maybe are kind of difficult to articulate, but one is just being there for someone can um, be a great gift of love. And another one is addressing the spiritual needs of a person can, is, is an act of health care, which seems really basic, but I didn't really understand that, I guess, until I had this experience um, doing pastoral ministry, but... Like we talk about in nursing, holistic care is the physical, the mental, emotional, and spiritual, but for some reason it just didn't connect that spiritual healing is also part of your health. (laughs) And so I guess it's that point that sort of culminates uh, my bit of understanding to my big question, which is that healing is so much bigger than physical well-being. Um, as a Christian entering the healthcare field, I want to set at a high priority the spiritual needs of those I encounter. I have a responsibility to be the vessel that God uses to provide healing to the world, piece by piece. <laughs> the one promise I cling to most in life is that God is love. I think that's really cool, and I can like sit and be astounded by that phrase um, for hours, that God is love, because I like to reverse it in my head and say that if God is love, then love is God. And so if you love on somebody else, it's like you God on somebody else. It's like, like instead of saying, like, I love you, it's like, I God you. And it's like, 
it's like you can just shoot God to everyone that you're loving on, and I just think that's really cool. <laughs> um, okay, let's see here. So um, for me, one act of love is using my God-given gifts to help provide healing. Um, so I guess I hope that from this, my statement of faith, that you can see what it is in your life that enables you to love on others. So you can use your different talents. I know some of you are studying to be teachers or business people or um, with ASL or, I mean, you can make other people laugh. Maybe that's your talent, um, whatever it is. But when you use your talents to love on other people and love on yourself, it's just like you're shooting God too, and I think that's really cool. Um, so, love the Lord your God with all your soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. As a Christian, it is in my, do my job description. I'll love myself, I'll love others, and I'll love God. It's a simple faith statement, but I'm okay with that. <laughs> For our next hymn, please take out your blue hymnal of worship book again and turn to 545, number 545, Be Thou My Vision. We'll be singing verses one, two, and five. If I had to describe my faith story through college um, in a phrase, it would be that I was constantly being challenged and constantly being surprised. When I first entered Goshen, I did not think I would end up being a Bible major as I am now. I started off pre-med and, well, after the realization that I don't really like blood um, <laughs> and uh, taking a 
my, um, my first Bible class, I sort of rediscovered um, what it had been that had drawn me to being baptized in the first place when I was in high school. Uh, I had sort of been disillusioned with Christianity as I entered college. I was upset with how Christianity had been appropriated in the political realm for certain kinds of mobilization, such as the way uh, homosexuals are portrayed in our politics, um, in the way war is talked about. Um, I had been very disillusioned, but I rediscovered a Jesus who was very loving but very subversive to many of the things in our society that I think he actually becomes appropriated for. So as soon as I started to realize this, I became much more passionate about my faith, and I decided I wanted to be involved in, um, well, in the study of religion in some way. So I went to the registrar and I uh, declared myself a religion major, and that was that, and even though I've changed my other courses of study, I've sort of been constantly a religion major throughout. Um, so I, I would guess one of the more major ways I've been challenged, and I think this is true for a lot of people at Goshen, was when I went on SST. Um, I went to Egypt, which was already kind of a shock, you know, dealing with um, the Islamic faith in Egypt, which I was not really used to, but also seeing God very much in the Muslims there and, and seeing God in very strange places. For example, I had never really seen urban poverty before. You don't really in the United States, we're really good at hiding that from people. I guess it's a way of making people feel comfortable, even though it's a very unfortunate way of closing ourselves off to reality. Um, so I was openly accosted in the streets of Luxor, Egypt, uh, for money, and it was very hard for me to want to give money. One example is this young girl came up to me and she was wearing eye makeup. I was not really wanting to give her money, she had makeup on. I'm like, well, if she has makeup and I give her money, she might just spend my money on cosmetics. And um, thankfully, I had a good friend that was with me there, and he sort of turned to me and said, what's the deal? Like, you don't quite understand where she's coming from. You don't understand the cultural context. And you know, if you haven't noticed, um, there's a lot of people who wear cosmetics. It's a very important part of being female in this culture, and it's hard for you to criticize that. And after that, I did start giving out money more freely, and I sort of realized I had a very condescending attitude in the way I practiced the a loving part of my faith. Like, Jesus said, you need to give to the poor, and I was kind of like, well, with condition, because in the U.S., uh, you, say you go to Chicago and you see a homeless person on the street, one of the things I remember being told by an adult I was with was, oh, don't give that person money, they might spend it on alcohol, or they might spend it on drugs, and... You know, you can't really say that for sure. People need money, they have their needs, and I think for the most part they will meet them, and how is me not giving this person money in any way discouraging a drug habit, which I don't know if they have or not. I mean, I can't necessarily directly address that. It's, so I think like, I, I've had my eyes opened being led by, I attribute it to being led by God to have sort of this veil of ignorance lifted uh, from me to see 
sort of a reality in the world I've never quite been exposed to, especially growing up um, as a surgeon's son and going to a private high school. I just never saw uh, anything quite like this. So another way I've been challenged, um, shortly after getting back from Egypt, I got a job working at Oaklawn Psychiatric Center. And while I'm going to be very careful about how I phrase things because there's a lot of confidentiality that goes uh, along with this, I found myself working on units with juvenile sex offenders, with children with general like behavior problems, uh, kids from homes that I, I never would have conceived are a social reality in the US. Once again, we do a very good job of hiding these realities. And I did see a lot of goodness in these kids. It was very surprising to me. Um, I saw God in them. I noticed a lot of them had been hurt by religion in a way I had never conceived. They'd been maybe alienated from a church. Um, they'd been abused uh, in situations that were very patriarchal based on a Christian basis. Um, so for me, this was hard to see, but it also brought a great deal of fulfillment in, um, in working with these individuals. So as part of my faith, I'm very much, I become very much more involved in the action of faith and experiencing other people. I believe that when we experience other people and other cultures and other situations, while some may think it's a, it can be a challenge to your faith, I have found that it has been very helpful and I, that I see God uh, leading me and changing my perspectives on many things and influencing my actions through this. Um, so the way I'd been influenced, um, as a final note, through my major and through working at Oaklawn and through my experiences in Egypt and multiple other experiences, which I'm not naming here because of our limited time, um, I am going to seminary next year, uh, but I've also decided I want to work on getting a master's in social work, and thankfully AMBS has that. But I think, um, and, and this is the piece of advice I'll leave everyone with, don't be afraid to put yourself in uncomfortable situations, I mean within reason of course, um, but Use them as learning experiences in way that, ways that God reaches you. Don't ever be afraid to analyze how is God speaking to me through this situation and through my life. Thank you. For our final hymn, I invite you to turn with me to the Blue Hymnal book, number 150. 150, Wonderful Grace of Jesus. And I invite you to stand with me and sing joyfully. You'll be dismissed at the end of the song. Wonder.